1: on Local Now, Channel 525.
2: And now, broadcasting from the 960 The Patriot studios in beautiful Arizona, your car insiders. They work for you, not the dealer. Now you have personal friends for the car buying experience.
1: By me, a Mercedes
0: band. On the
2: road again. Here are your hosts, Dana Southern and Gary Green.
3: Good morning and welcome to Your Car Insiders on Nine Sixty the Patriot. My name is Dana Southern. I'm here with my friend and business partner, Gary Green, and collectively we are your car insiders. We've now been doing this for a little over eight years, on the air, on the radio, each week, trying to give people as many helpful hints as we can to try to guide them essentially away from some of the pitfalls that often put people into bad financial situations on their transactions simply because they either bought it based on a payment bought it based on you know emotion or bought it based on maybe thinking what they were being told was factual and In many cases, you know, ultimately it's a big business decision. And when you make this big business decision, you're either, you know, equipped and up to the task and understand all the moving parts of a transaction of a car deal, which certainly I assure you the car dealers do, or or you simply don't. And you now have to. And the scary part is when you think you do. That that can be really painful. Now,
1: I don't remember. It was... What was Johnny Carson's? He did that... Carnac? He, he wore the hat.
3: I think it was Carnac. I think it was Carnac. Yeah, yeah.
1: And he would talk about... And David Letterman had the 10 list.
3: Yes. So I was 10.
1: talking about things the other day. And one advantage, and I said to something, somebody the other day, I was talking to a general manager in a car dealership. And I said, you know, there's one thing that I have the ability to do. Now, if... I'm talking to someone, I have no reason to tell you anything that's not in your best interest. And if I think you're doing something stupid in relationship to a car dealership, I might just use that word.
3: Well, more importantly, without using that word, he's going to explain to you why he does not think it's in your best interest. But I to use occur. the word. I'm telling uh, uh, you right now I use I, the word. And, now, and I, and I might heard, use it too. I've
1: heard things <laughs> the last two weeks. Sometimes you have to be very <laughs> straight.
3: Go ahead. stupid.
1: I had a young man call me. He's 39 years old. He's a referral from a good friend of mine. And he needs my help more than he will ever imagine when he explained to me that he was going to go to car dealerships to see what car dealership would offer him the lowest interest rate.
3: Now, if you hear what Gary just said, he he had mentioned this to me the other day. And, you know, it's hard for us to know what thoughts go into people's heads prior to them making a, a purchase. But I can assure you that this young man's plan is stupid (laughs) now please continue
1: now the next one and this was the same day I want to get a lower payment so I'm gonna wait till I save 12 grand you're gonna save $12,000 on a 1.9% loan you're gonna continue to drive a car that in 4,000 miles is completely out of warranty you're gonna continue to drive a car that has a 20 cent mileage penalty you're already 9,000 miles over. You drive 27,000 miles a year. And I know this gal well enough that I said, that's got to be the second stupidest thing I've heard today. Because the first stupidest thing was going to car dealerships, shopping for an interest rate. Now, the weekend before that, I mentioned the doctor. He took a $2,500 rebate, gave up 0.9% financing to write a check for $46,000 to buy a car that has one of the worst, one of the worst resale values out there, paying cash for a Nissan Leaf.
3: And can only tell you that we live in America and... And because of that, you know, people get to do what what they choose to do. And the
1: best part was, it wasn't like he he wasn't taking his last forty six thousand dollars. He and his wife make plenty of plenty of money, extremely successful. But when you mention that, uh, I hate when somebody does something that they think is correct. I have a doctor that I've helped seven times, and I looked at him in the Mercedes Benz dealership, and I said, John. Because he gets mad if I call him doctor. He says, You're my friend. Call me John. If you pay, if you finance this car, if you insist on financing the car, I'm going home. You're in good hands. The paperwork's already done, but you're not paying me to help you do that. Because if you're not listening, if you don't listen to what Dana and I tell you, or you think your ideas are better, I'm not telling you you're wrong, but I'm telling you this. If we, I laughed with John because he said to me, I can't figure it out. My math doesn't work. I said, because your math's wrong. The math is only one way, and I'll, and I'll quote my friend. Again, the figures don't lie, but liars figure. Now, I cannot do what this gentleman does. I cannot afford the payment that he took on in a car. And I've done that stupid stuff. I call it, I call it the comma club.
3: That I means your payment has a digit before the comma and then three digits after and then a decimal point.
1: Right. So when, when it was all done, he called me one night. It was a long, long story. And I and I didn't get I didn't get mad but I was frustrated and I'm like John I just ca- I can't help you. If you're not getting the math, I don't know how else to sit down and explain it to you, but I will tell you this, the deal that you got today. The only way the deal would have been any better, there's only one possible way. And he says, "What's that?" I said, "Well, If your car got destroyed at the dealership and you didn't have to trade it in, if the dealership burnt down with your car in it, if they dropped it off a lift, if they went to take it for a test drive, the stars could not have aligned any better for this guy. And then he he mentioned a comment about something, and that's when I kind of said, John, I got to go. My phone's beeping. I have no battery life left and unfortunately when my phone goes dead it takes about 10 minutes on the charger before I can start turning it on again and my wife was sending me someplace I had no idea where I was going The, the, the the most important thing to remember about Dana and myself is we are not selling you anything
3: well, when you bring up that story, and it, it reminds me of a, a dear friend. Well, I mean, we're not like hang out all the time, but over the years, I've, I've helped this nice gentleman acquire several vehicles and many, many of his friends in the fire department. He's recently retired firefighter now, but a few years ago, when he wanted to get a new Genesis for his lovely wife, he told me that he was going to pay cash for the car, and that was the only way that he was going to do it. Well, when we arrived at the dealership and I visited with the general sales manager and my friend, I learned while I was there that, yes, he could buy it you know, in relationship to invoice at a wonderful price, but his total out the door to buy the car would have been an excessive 52000 almost $53,000. Well, I'm sitting there with his wife, who is a firefighter. He's not there. And as we're talking, I learned she drives 20,000 miles a year. She obviously doesn't have low mileage needs. And I also learned from the general sales manager that they have a $4,000 incentive if you lease the car and the equivalent of almost 0% interest on the lease money factor. And so to do a prepaid lease on that Hyundai for 36 months, allowing 20,000 miles per year, the total check that was written up front was for just a little over $19,000, which enabled her to, again, drive 20,000 miles per year per the contract, make all her payments up front, And at the end of the three-year term, she had the option to buy it for the preset residual or to walk away. Had, anyway, when I explained that math to her, to Gretchen, I can assure you she understood. And I explained to her then, I said, I can't help you pay cash for this car. I cannot do it. And she says, well, you know, her husband, Amos, who's a wonderful man, um, You know, he's adamant that we pay cash. I said, Well, I've got to call Amos and let him know that I'm either going home and you're going to do whatever it is you're going to do, but I will not help you pay cash for this car because I know in three years this car is not going to be worth more than maybe 20 grand or so, and you'll have wasted over, you'd have paid over 30,000 plus, and you can't get the money back. So it took me about five minutes on the phone with her husband explaining to him I am leaving. Do you not understand? Let me ask you a question. When a customer leases a car how much do you collect when they're done? It's a $400 flat fee.
1: Somebody writes a check and pays cash for the car. What do you collect when we're
3: done? A $400 flat fee.
1: If we go through the finance office and they finance the car what do we collect? Same $400 flat fee. So when someone in a dealership is sometimes talking to you about leasing a car while you were planning on paying cash, it may not be for the same reason Dana
3: is doing it. It's unlikely to be for the same reason I was doing it.
1: It is more about profit. So when I worked in a Lexus dealership in the early 90s, leasing was a bad word. Because of all the people in the 80s that did what was called an open-end lease.
3: You had that, and you also had no Regulation Z, which meant you didn't have to disclose the cap cost or the selling price. Yeah.
1: So when we worked in the dealership, we were told if someone was coming in to write a check or finance the car, you never brought up a lease. And that was something I talked about last week about giving the customer options. But what we did sometimes was when they were done writing the check and they were done in finance, the deal was done. You could then talk to them about, you know, there's a way you could probably save some money. And what Dana and I do, it's very simple. We're helping you buy a car. We're not selling you Anything,
3: Nothing. We're also not allowing them to overcharge you for anything. There are some products that very well may be of benefit to you that they offer. They may not be. But if they are of benefit to you, we're going to make sure you get the best price on the best product each and every time.
1: Very special thanks to Lundy's Peoria Volkswagen located 8801 West Bell Road in Peoria, Arizona.
2: Make a plan today to get your house checked.
0: Visit brightfocus.org to learn more.
1: Welcome back to Your Car Insiders and 9-6 of the page here. Once again, very special thanks to the Earnhardt family of dealerships. You know, each week, Dana and I, we talk about dealerships that we go to. Okay, And part of why we deal with these dealerships is the people and, and i
3: 've been to a lot of different dealerships as has Gary over the course of you know the weeks and months i 've helped people at countless dealerships, obviously that have nothing to to do with the Earnhardt family of dealerships. We are just blessed to know some of the finest people in the auto industry here in the valley. And they happen to work at some of the Earnhardt dealerships. You know, Guys like Adam Breen, yeah. like Chad, Joey like Joey. Tony Femiano. There's there, the list goes on and on of just really good people. And like in any industry, there there are good and bad people that do everything. There are lots of wonderful people that are in the auto industry. The the trouble part for a lot of times mm-hmm. where there's a separation is, of course, the, the people that work at the dealership, their job is, to, of course, to protect the legal and financial welfare of the dealership and, and to try to make or gain or get as much profit as they can. You don't have to cheat in order to be profitable, and many dealers are are very ethical, it's There's just a lot of people, unfortunately, in this industry that are not. So we don't go to all the Earnhardt dealerships. We do have a great relationship with all the ones that we do go to because like Gary's explained many times, they understand that we're there for our client. They understand that we're gonna leave and not buy a vehicle from them unless our client is thrilled. And so with them never paying us, with us not taking bird dogs, you know, Gary mentioned earlier, I think in last week's show, where dealers try to offer, you know, a kickback or a bird dog or, you know, if if we bring them customers slash and let them make profit, whatever that might look like to them, they would like to pay us. Well. God forbid we would do that. We've been doing this now for on the radio alone for over eight years. The first time we take a dime, we're no longer you know, who we are. You know, the funny thing is I remember
1: doing this a million years ago when I worked outside the car business. I'd done a few things, and I used to refer people to car dealerships, and I laughed at the fact that they used to give me $100. And The bird dog. Bird dog. <laughs>
3: To send the people to slaughter in many cases, which wasn't the intent but when you sent point, them. at that point,
1: I actually went to the dealerships. Well, oh, you went with him. Well, I different. didn't just send people to car dealerships. Now, at that point, this is 20 years ago, I didn't realize that they would pay you more money than 100 bucks. Now, I've had instances in the car dealership where the general sales manager or the sales manager that worked, what's your address?
3: Heard that, heard that re- plenty of times.
1: check request. Now, I have a friend of mine that leased a car. I saved him a small fortune. And the general manager of the dealership looked at me and said, I don't care what you say. I'm sending you a check.
3: No, you're not. (laughs) So I
1: said to him, you know what? How much are you sending me a check for? 200 bucks. Okay, fine. I walked back into the office with my friend and I looked at him and said, write me a check for 200 bucks. He's... Writing me a check for 200, you're writing me a check for 200. It's 400 bucks. I don't care how it breaks. Now, what I want people to understand when you call Dana or you call myself and we provide a service, it should be an understanding that when we're done, we shouldn't have to hear. I didn't bring a check with me. I don't have your money. When you go to a store, you can't buy something and leave the store without the without paying now I've had a couple of instances and unfortunately every time it's happened it's been a radio show listener that has wanted information we've scheduled appointments to buy cars meet one instance I was actually offering to pick the guy up and all of a sudden at the end he was ghost he was gone I found out he went to the dealership. Now, I've had it happen, and it's always, always seems to be someone that listens to the radio show. So it's one of the reasons why when someone calls me up and they want a price, I don't give it to them. Well, we explain how easy it is. Now, I had a gentleman the other day that wanted a price on a Honda Ridgeline. Well, what trim level do you want? And I don't even know in a Ridgeline how many different trim levels there are, but there's way more than one.
3: Oh, there's way more than one. And when it comes to, to pricing, our job is to get you the lowest possible price that they'll take. And the way that we accomplish that is by being there in person with the person that's interested in buying the car, with us there to facilitate and answer all the questions that are potentially going to come up. And so that the general manager and the person that runs the dealership knows that they're actually making a car deal. We're not price quoters by any stretch of the imagination. And just like any scenario where people do quote prices, whatever price we would say would be too high. Right. And so – more importantly we're not the dealer we're not the seller we work for you but we guide you we direct you and protect you and we charge nothing if you're not thrilled
1: you know, one of the ones i get a kick out of the best is when someone says, oh i'm just i'm not going to hold you to anything but just a ballpark figure
3: 60 feet six inches to the pitcher's mound
1: and then i'll also mention that chase field has a little over fifty thousand seats in it
3: 90 feet between the bases
1: right those are ballpark figures Okay, everybody holds you to everything you say, and that's why when somebody asks me what do I think a car is worth when we're talking on the phone, I said I have no idea without doing the research
3: and 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 without seeing it, because often with you know without actually seeing the car, just because what reflects in the history may be favorable, doesn't mean that when you see it, you're not going to find something that and
1: everybody. Every I, I've dealt with so few people that when they describe their trade, it's exactly what they describe. Now, I laugh. I'll never forget this one. When the guy called me a couple of months ago, he wanted to buy a new Nissan Altima. And all of a sudden, it was coming out of his mouth that, oh, and by the way, I have a trade. Do you help with that? Yep. He says. well, I have a one owner, low mileage, 2003 Infinity i30, which was a Nissan Maxima, Literal, badge by infinity. Badge by infinity. So I'm waiting to hear about it and all of a sudden he says it and I'm the original owner and it doesn't have 60,000 miles on it. So now all of a sudden I'm like interested in hearing about the trade-in. So we get to the dealership and the car is better than he said it was. Now, that's a car that you take the Mannheim market report.
3: Or the Blue Book.
1: Or the Blue Book. And they took the Mannheim market report, and they gave them four times the Mannheim market report value.
3: Every now, car stands on its own.
1: Now, I also said the shame of this car is going to be someone in the dealership is going to buy it. One of the guys in service or this, and my friend, the general manager, was on vacation. And when he, I said to him, don't let anybody sell that car till you see it. And what does he do? He sells it to one of the employee's parents because they had been looking for a car forever. They didn't have a whole bunch of money, and he sold them the car. But that was his choice. That wasn't a service guy walking out back and then sneaking around to the used car manager and buying the car without the GM knowing. Remember, you can reach Dana.
2: Get just-played catch. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of siblings in foster care will take you just as you are. For more information on how you can adopt, visit
0: AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Adopt US Kids in the Ad Council.
3: Welcome back to Your Car Insiders on 960 The Patriot. Once again, you can reach Gary at 602 525 1370. Say it again slowly. Area code 602-525-1370. Or you can reach me, Dana, at six zero two six seven nine eight three two four. Say it again. 602 It's been our passion now for going on nine years to do exactly what it is that we do to help guide and protect people through a a purchase process that is, is a very big deal there. It doesn't matter if you're buying a used car or a new car, you can, you can get a great deal buying a used car or you can get crushed buying a used car just as easily as you can on a new one. And with all the variables that, are currently in play, the current demand for SUVs, for trucks, for full-size vehicles or bigger vehicles. What do you think, Gary? It's
1: it's used cars are at an all-time high still, and it's understanding what your car is worth. But something interesting happened. I had somebody call me on a vehicle I had never helped anybody buy.
3: What kind? Mercedes G wagon. I don't think I've helped anyone buy one of those either. it's a G63
1: that he was looking at. Big boy. So I was just looking online. So the 10 longest surviving cars of all time. Now, the Mercedes G-Wagon, the body style has never changed, ever, since its introduction. Square. Now, they've updated it for 2019, but you can still tell what it is. However, number one, for 83 years, Chevrolet has offered a Suburban. For 80 years, Morgan has offered a 4-4, launched in 1936. In 1948, Ford offered an F-Series pickup truck. In 1951, and boy, has this car changed, Toyota Land Cruiser. Ain't nothing like the one. I mean, they were more like a Jeep then, and now they're more like a
0: luxury vehicle. Luxury
1: vehicle, Chevrolet Corvette, 63 years. Mercedes SL, 62 years. Mini Cooper, 57 years old.
3: One year they didn't make the vet. Yep,
1: 1983. Porsche 911, 53 years old. Ford Mustang launched in 1964, and a Toyota Corolla is 50 years old. Now, these cars are all still made today, and this article I think was from 2016 because it says on there 1966, 50 years. That would mean 2016. But when I helped this gentleman order the G Wagon, I actually looked at one that was an 18. And I was just kind of surprised at how bland and boring the car looked on the inside. And all of a sudden, I happened to stop at the Mercedes-Benz dealership. I was helping someone lease a car. And in the, sh- in the delivery area, they had a 2019 G63, identical to the vehicle that my client ordered. However, not all the same options. Now, all of a sudden, I opened up the door. Wow. It's like an S-Class now on the inside. It's got that 12-inch whatever-it-is screen going across. It's one – it's
3: – It's luxurious now.
1: It's unbelievable. Now
3: – Go ahead. I was going to say I, I had something just because it happened to come up recently. I was helping someone get a new Ford F-150, and he had been told when he was shopping that um, that it wasn't you know American-made. Well – Here are the fifteen most American made vehicles. No, I saw
1: that article today.
3: I'm gonna give them to you. Here you go. Ready? Number one, the Jeep Cherokee, number two, the Honda Odyssey. Number three, the Honda Ridgeline. Number four, the Honda Passport. Number five, the Chevrolet Corvette. Number six, the Acura MDX. Number seven, the Honda Pilot. Number eight, the GMC Canyon. Number nine, excuse me, number eight was the Chevrolet Colorado. Number nine, the GMC Canyon. Number 10, the Acura RDX. Number 11, the Chevrolet Camaro. Number 12, the Toyota Avalon. Number 13, the Ford F-150. Number 14, the Honda Accord. Excludes hybrid. And last but not least, the Toyota Tundra out of San Antonio, Texas at 15. So There's
1: only three or four Chevrolets. uh, And, And the funny thing is when they mention the word Jeep... That's FCA. Fiat, what is FCA? Is Fiat Chrysler of America? Is that correct?
3: It's Fiat Chrysler America, correct. Yeah.
1: So, they're owned by an Italian company.
3: Seven of the vehicles on that list were from the Honda brand. Right. Honda and Acura, and so buying American, um, kind of subjective, based on the list that I just read.
1: Remember, you can reach Dana, 602-679-8324, and you can reach me at 602-525-1370.
4: Welcome to Rodeo Ford, located in Goodyear, Arizona, at 13680 West Test Drive. Rodeo Ford is proud to be one of the premier dealerships in the area. From the moment you walk in their showroom, you'll know their commitment to customer service is second to none. They strive to make your experience with Rodeo Ford a good one for the life of your vehicle. Whether you need to purchase, finance, or service a newer free on Ford,
2: you come to the right place. Remember when a small business needed a landline?
3: Welcome back to your car insiders on nine sixty the Patriot. In this last segment today, I'm gonna talk a little bit about math and purchasing a car and really talk about also leasing a vehicle. Because for a lot of people, the the cost of a car today, regardless of you know, what they might pick, for a lot of people it it's just getting to the point where it's very difficult. So if you've listened to the show over any period of time, when we help people purchase a vehicle, we're pretty adamant that if you have to finance it for seven years, then you can't afford the vehicle and you're, you're on a vehicle that is, you probably just should not be on. However, um, there are so many times where people thinking that they're doing something wise, Buy a, a late model used car and end up financing it for six years, paying a higher interest rate, having a vehicle that already has you know a good portion, if not all of its warranty gone. So they're now in a position where, if they're buying that couple year old used car, they they have to at least consider buying an extended warranty because the coverage from the manufacturer in most cases is going to stop at thirty six thousand or if it's a luxury car perhaps fifty. So from there, when when the person is in theory trying to save money by going used over new, and ideally and in most cases, obviously you should be able to pay less for a used car than a new one. That's just simple common sense. But what ends up happening is there's a lot of vehicles that because they're high quality, because they have a good reputation and they're the types of vehicles that you might actually want to buy. Those are the ones that hold their value really, really well used and make it hard to justify buying a one or two year old one when you compare it to what you can buy a brand new one for. So when that person's trying to be, you know, price-conscious and and save money. And they say, okay, I'm not going to go new. I'm going to let someone else take that initial depreciation. That's, I think, most of the logic behind it. And, of course, trying to keep costs down. Well, when they put themselves in a couple-year-old car and then end up financing it for, in oftentimes as much as six years, they they put themselves in a position where Not only is the payment high, the interest rate is higher because you're going longer term. And with the rates going up over the course of the last year and a half or so, I I know that the most recent time they didn't raise the rate. They talked about maybe lowering it, but didn't. But overall, rates on used cars are typically slightly higher than new and Obviously, if a new car has a subvented or a subsidized rate from the factory, well, then, of course, the new car's rate is unbeatable. But when the people, in again, trying to save money, and they find this car that maybe already has twenty, thirty thousand 30,000 miles on it, and now they have to look at purchasing an extended warranty on it or self-insuring and just hoping that nothing goes wrong well over the course of the last several years most of the new cars have become a, a lot more sophisticated with advanced safety technology and you know cross traffic alert and forward collision prevention and blind spot monitoring and lane departure assist and the the list kind of goes on and on 360 cameras and and so ultimately self-insuring can be kind of a risky thing. So it kind of makes sense that someone rather than risk what could be a costly repair would consider buying an extended warranty on this. Well, how much does that cost? How much does it raise the payment? And anyway, from there, depending on how you go into the calculation, the key is that that math calculation and monthly payment all things being equal, would nine out of ten times, even on a six-year loan, on a one- or two-year-old used car, be a higher payment than if you would have done a three-year lease on a brand-new vehicle of the same kind? And it's confusing to me how, in many cases, people you know have, have the sense of, I, I want to own the car. And there are certainly circumstances where that is, of course, the right approach. But often people have a a mental thought process of owning a car when, in fact, of course, the the bank owns the car. Unless you pay cash for it, it, it's it's just a depreciating asset that the bank owns until it gets paid off. Leasing is, is not complicated. It's not voodoo economics. Although... Unfortunately, in the '80s and '90s, and into the early 2000s, certainly the the disclosure laws were suspect, and and people and often got taken advantage of because they truly didn't know what they were paying. But now it, a, a lease is as negotiable as a conventional purchase. You negotiate the price just as much as you would negotiate the price on a conventional purchase. The difference, of course, is you're only paying for the anticipated depreciation over the course of that three-year period as opposed to paying for the whole car. And that's why in most cases, even if you take it six years on a late model comparable car, you would still have a higher payment on it than you would on the brand new vehicle. And so to me, it it seems that more people need to have a better understanding of how leasing works because it's not a dirty word. And for many people, it is by far the wisest way they could possibly approach acquiring a vehicle. It's certainly not for everyone. If you're the person that buys a vehicle and intends to drive it until the wheels fall off and keep it till you know it's time to go to the boneyard, so to speak, well, that is without question the cheapest way to own a car. But it also puts you in a circumstance where you don't have the latest technology, you don't have the latest safety features, and the things that have become available over the course of the last several years are are just overwhelming. The advantage when you lease a brand new vehicle, of course, is, is under full factory warranty it has brand-new tires, brand-new brakes, brand-new everything. So the likelihood of having any type of a major expense in your few years of having it, there are virtually zero. If you drive more than 12,000 miles a year or more than 15,000 miles a year, that's not a reason that you should not lease a car. You can drive as much as 30,000 miles a year, or slightly more and still have it make absolute sense to lease it a hundred percent versus buy it and that is especially true with luxury vehicles for the people that are buying high-end luxury cars whether they're mercedes or bmws or audi and they're writing checks for those vehicles the even or or possibly financing those vehicles if they're not in a position to pay cash for them The the cash flow difference and the risk of depreciation is is so great that it it makes arguably no sense virtually to buy a a new Mercedes. Now, there could be a few exceptions, but as a rule, they're going to depreciate so much in the first few years that – even though, you know, being able to write that check might be a, a, a sense of pride and, and accomplishment, and, and it certainly is, you, you still have the money if you don't write the check. Doing a prepaid lease might be a, a far better approach than writing that big check and then you being the person that takes all the risk of depreciation and all the cost of maintenance and repairs over time. Anyway, from there, when someone leases a vehicle, it's just a different way to pay for it. It, It's not, again, a a complex mathematical equation. As an example, if it's a $20,000 sticker price car and they think it's going to be worth 60% of its original value three years from now, then it has a $12,000 residual. And what you pay for the car, you would negotiate. The sticker price, if it were 20000 what you would actually pay would depend on your negotiating skills or whether or not you had Gary or myself at your side. But essentially, the depreciation divided by the three-year term is the difference between the 12000 and the actual price that you pay. If it were the full twenty thousand, you take eight thousand, divide it by thirty-six months, and it, that would be your depreciation each month. It's a set amount that doesn't change. And with the money factor or finance charge, same thing. The it, each month, the exact amount goes to finance charge. The exact amount goes to depreciation and the exact amount goes to tax. So unlike a conventional purchase, there's no advantage to to paying early or, or making extra payments on a lease because you can't save interest by doing that. Now, in some cases, on a one-pay lease, if you prepay it up front, in that situation, there can be times where you can get a... A finance benefit or or a money factor or a reduced interest rate in, by virtue of doing that, but in as a general rule, the idea behind leasing is to enjoy the the best years of the car, be under full warranty, take essentially a three year test drive, and then decide how you feel about the car. And I can assure you, and i don 't know if this is a good analogy or not, but i 've used it in the past if If you think about you know people that get into a relationship if if it were a three year deal and at the end of three years, you either had done a good enough job that wanted to stay together and continue the relationship. Or no harm, no foul, you can just walk away. Um, I think it would be, well, I think people would probably try a lot harder at their marriages, and well, we'll leave that alone. It was just an example. Or if you were to go out and have a meal, and you were going to finish your meal, and you were going to order dessert, would you order a whole pie, or would you order a piece of pie? And that's kind of the idea behind leasing, is paying for the portion that you're going to use. You have the option for the preset amount of what the residual is up front that you're guaranteed that you can buy it for at the end of the lease if you choose to, but you're also guaranteed that if it's not worth it or if you don't want it, that you can simply walk away. There are rules about wear and tear, but they allow for normal wear and tear. Unlike if you go to trade in your car and you have dings and dents and scratches and your tires, you know, are, are low and they're going to need to be replaced. Well, when you own that car, they're going to knock for all those things. If you turn in that car, as long as the tread is above the bare minimum that they allow for, which is like three sixteenths of an inch, you get to just give it back. So there, there's a lot of things that people, think they understand about leasing or or are afraid of because they don't understand it but i can assure you that there's probably close to i don't know 25% of the people that currently don't lease that should be leasing their car right this minute And there's probably 25% of the people leasing a car right now that shouldn't have leased it because they didn't understand and didn't do it the right way. The key to anything is, of course, understanding it and then, of course, getting the, the best possible value. And when it comes to that, there are certain vehicles that hold their value better and therefore, obviously, lease more attractively. And there's other vehicles that don't hold their value so well. And the to say, they're not as attractive to lease. But special thanks to Lundy's Puria Volkswagen, located in Puria, Arizona, 8801 West Bell Road. Please don't miss out on the 4th of July specials. Please give Gary or, my, or myself a call. Have a great and safe holiday weekend, and we'll talk to you soon.